right, Bjorn. So I want to start with a line uh, from the album. It's it's from the Great Deceiver. Back to reality again. A two a two year break to reset our brains. Uh, what went through your mind in those two years? Um, well, I think looking back at it now, it just feels like it was really quick because mm -hmm. for some reason, at least for me, I, I tend to only remember, uh, you know, boring or <laughs> not so fun things uh, as it was very short. Sure. School days, you know, it wasn't always super funny, obviously, but you remember the fun stuff. Not so much the boring stuff. Mm. And I think it was sort of, I wouldn't compare it to school whatsoever. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, but so I think looking back at it, it's kind of hard to really remember what how it was. But I remember the first, say, two, three months, I felt really useless Okay. Uh, for the first time in a very long time. I mean, I, I have a... a my life is awesome obviously i'm i'm working with with music that i love with people that i love in front of people that i love so it's there's absolutely nothing i have to complain about uh, and all of a sudden all that's taken away and my whole purpose is uh, gone and that's just me just strictly from my personal point of view sure you add all the all the craziness with people getting really sick and and shutting down countries and all that stuff. So it was it was just a really weird time. Uh, but my initial thoughts were, I feel useless. I have no function right now. All I'm doing, all I want to do, and all I'm good at is <laughs> being on the road, making music, playing music, you know, and all of a sudden that's taken away. So I, I felt useless. That, that was going through my mind. But I think the more we could see things sort of opening up after a year, a year and a half, you could see a few concerts happening. I remember seeing something in New Zealand and then tours started happening in the U.S. Even though us Europeans weren't allowed to come over there yet, it was sort of a mm -hmm. light at the at the end of the tunnel, sort of. So that's when we started thinking that this this might, I wouldn't say over, be over soon, but at least we would find a way uh, for people to sort of live in the situation and be mindful and still be able to enjoy ourselves and, and have music as a recreational tool. And, and uh, I could get back to what I'm supposed <laughs> to do or what I really want to do, you know? So it took about a year or so before we could feel that. And that's, that's when we went into the studio and, and uh, decided, even though we weren't done touring with either mass, the previous record, we felt right. like it, it's over a two year break. So we might as well, do something. We're not going to be in a hurry to release it, but at least we will have something that's current. And I don't think that we thought about it at the time that it might, you know, the vibe and the general weirdness of the pandemic would trickle into the record. But I think it probably did in a way, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think you can control that. So I think it was important from that perspective too. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of what, and in the short and the long of it. Sure. <laughs> right. 
you do allude to something I, I've always find uh, interesting because, well, you've been in this band, I believe, since uh, 1995, 1996. Uh, so it's been a big chunk of your life. And then, as you mentioned, sometimes it gets uh, at some point, uh, it just gets taken away for two years. And you feel you're forced to think about uh, identity and who you are outside of the band, I suppose. <laughs> so what have you found to who is Bjorn kind of aside from the guitars from In Flames? <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's I guess it's really hard for anybody to describe themselves. Sure. But I think uh, out of the things that I really, really do enjoy, that's not making music, playing music with my friends. I think I'm a very sociable. I like people. I like hanging out. Um, I need. I want to have people around me. Uh, I don't mind being alone, but that's you know when I would do stuff that's only for me, like reading or sure or painting or stuff like that. I, I would do that by myself. But everything else I do, watch football or barbecue mm-hmm. or make food or, you know, basically it's all about hanging out with people. So I'm, I'm a very sociable guy. And that was another thing that, that was so weird during uh, the pandemic. is like all of a sudden you can't do that either. You can't <laughs> right. socialize. I can't play music and I can't, you know, see football because there was no football. All these, right. all these things were taken away. So. So I, I, that's probably why I felt useless or mm. I don't know. It's probably the closest to depression I've ever come. And um, um, yeah, so and I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that way. I don't, I don't really have those uh, issues. So, and I understand that it's, it's very, very common and, and I'm probably more rare than at least in, in that perspective. I've been very fortunate that I don't, I haven't really had many issues and this is the first time I kind of felt that, wow, this is, yeah, I feel pointless. And uh, that's a feeling I don't want to have again, you know. Well, luckily, uh, life has gotten back to some sense of normalcy, at least. Um, well, one thing you mentioned after a year, you were kind of ready to play make music uh, again. I believe uh, yourself and uh, Anders went to L.A. for a couple of weeks to kind of... Uh, I don't know to clear your mind and to start these initial yeah. ideas. So, so, so what can you tell me about those couple of weeks in LA and kind of just being back together with Anders and then getting the creative juices flowing again? It was amazing, of course. I mean, having that two-year unwanted break uh, in a way was obviously frustrating as we went through. But I think the first thing was the the, the really, really cool thing was to be able to to see each other again, like uh, because we yeah. couldn't, we, I hadn't seen him for almost two years. Okay. I hadn't seen any of the other guys um, in the band for almost well for over two years too. It's been maybe a FaceTime here and there or mm. a text or whatever, but everybody I think felt like life is just on pause, right? So that was really good and feeling like you have a not only a purpose but also like inspiration starts flowing again because you can see the live shows and I think. For me, writing and recording are more means to an end. It, it means mm-hmm. that we make the, the music that we're going to play live, then live is where I want to be, where I actually feel the most comfortable and and really, really enjoy myself, especially playing with the guys that are in the band right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible how good they are. And, and I think In Flames has always been a band with really, really good musicians in it. We've always sounded really good, so it's... Uh, I've been extremely fortunate playing in this band because I've learned a lot and uh, it's given me so much. 
thanks to all these different members that we had. And right now, I think we we probably never sounded better because this is it's just uh, so much fun. So that was awesome being back together with these guys and started writing and some of the stuff that we did. This is before uh, Christmas, so this is probably November, December, twenty one. I would say. Uh, and then we had a break after we did three, four weeks of writing and hanging out in Los Angeles. And then we came home over the, the Christmas and New Year's holidays. And um, then we went back again and, and continued writing. And that sort of turned into a recording session. We we worked with Mike and Howard again and had Joe, our old drummer, mix the record. So it was like a whole family thing, and of course that that was it felt extra special because we haven't seen each other for years, and and because of all the things that were hopefully now behind us. Well, that's very good. Good to hear. Um, did you have a lot of riffs and and guitar licks kind of stored up uh, over that that period of time, or did a lot of that come together in those couple of weeks, and then later the the other recording sessions? Well, when did the album start to take shape, at least from your uh, guitarist perspective so i'm um, uh, as i kind of mentioned a little bit earlier like the the whole my whole point with this is uh, i want to be on stage you know and if i can't see the the live shows happening i don't feel very inspired to write okay. music or compose or rehearse or okay all these things are just you know i have to do those in order to get to where i want to be you know so no i didn't have i don't really until we say that we are going to record uh, and we have all these tours coming up or shows and everything, that that's when I start feeling like the juice is flowing in a way. Uh, and so that didn't happen naturally over, over the two years. But then when we started talking, it was, it was just like an on, on switch, basically, like it's always been for me. Um, I don't constantly write. I write when, when we sort of decide to uh, it's either or live or, writing i think mm-hmm. for me uh, a lot of people are super efficient and very productive i'm i'm not <laughs> i try to i try to really really enjoy the touring side and then when i'm writing i try to focus on that to make sure that the touring side will be awesome later on but at least from my perspective uh so i think uh, some of the embryos of the songs were definitely created on these first three weeks mm-hmm. um and then, obviously, I, I continue working a little bit at home and we, over the holidays. But then everything came together pretty pretty smoothly, like it usually does when we get together and start writing. Um, and I, I think the way that we work now is so it keeps uh, uh, it keeps the productivity up, and it also keeps the inspiration up uh, because it's not mechanically going into the studio 12 to 16 hours a day the same riffs the same whatever it's not what we do is like we try to limit and be limit the time that we spend in the studio to maybe i don't know between four and six hours maybe but be very very productive howard's Mm -hmm. team with mike and all those guys are extremely uh efficient so the time we spend there the four to six hours we get so much done uh, it's basically just work, work, work. Okay. But the energy level is still pretty high when we are done with the studio session. So I can get back to the house, continue writing and uh, arranging and working with Anders on, on different ideas with the songs. 
So th- that's what I really like about it because it, it means that the whole day is filled with a little bit of work, but mostly with being creative, you know, mm-hmm. and then that's, it just keeps the energy high all through the whole recording. And it was basically all in all two, two months, two months would change, I'd say the whole thing, um, basically writing and, and recording it. So. Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Was it a conscious effort to make it uh, make it more guitar orientated to, to uh, focus in on the guitars and, and kind of the, the way the bass and the, and the drum kind of collectively create that uh, foundation uh, how do, do you let me ask it differently sorry uh, do you as a band kind of discuss beforehand before you go into the studio and you and Anders as you start writing do you discuss a lot of ideas or is it just like let's see what comes out mm. most of the, there's no recipe right we we're very fortunate. We've sort of put ourselves in a position where we write for ourselves. And that, that's right. just a brilliant way to start. We can do whatever we want. But at the same time, you can't be all like hippie-esque about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens, dude. You know, you, what you want to do is have some sort of focus, some sort of idea. And we've done a bunch of records before. So we kind of learn from mistakes and also mm-hmm. learn what we really enjoyed, what we thought was awesome, that worked really well try to bring that with us and then have a couple of words that are, I mean, that are sort of symbolizing what we're trying to achieve. So we wanted this to be really big, maybe leaning to, towards death metal a bit more, but that's not really talking about the, the writing or arranging side of things. It's more about the production side of things. Like how, how do we want it to sound? You know, we want to get, you're talking to a guitar player here. So, of course, I want a lot of guitars. <laughs> and I, want, I want to add everything I can. But also, I love the death metal and death metal drumming. Um, old drummers like, I mean, uh, Alex Marcus, uh, uh, Sean Reiner is one technical drummer, lots of kick drums and everything. But it's, it's always with a finesse. But if you can take what we've done and just put it in, uh, in like I wouldn't I wouldn't call it death metal, but bigger, heavier uh, clothes, right. it, it would turn into what we now have in front of us, right? So, and I'm extremely pleased with how I the mask sounds. I think all our records sound as good as they could at that point in time. Uh, I the mask sounds incredible. It's Chris Lord Algae, and he's phenomenal. Uh, it's kind of leaning towards the rock a little bit more. And it fits the guitars. The guitar playing is right there. You can hear each and every stroke. Uh, and he did a phenomenal job with that. And this time we felt we wanted to have it bigger and heavier and maybe not as organic, mm. uh, just more death metal-y, I think. And and that's what Joe did in the end. Um, Ricard, he, he, he knows us well. He understood exactly what we wanted. 
and together with him we could create a, a beast of a record is it fair to say and this is just from me listening uh through the album but is it fair you also kind of uh Cut the way the fat a little bit of, of songs. There, there aren't there those those really long songs on there. It's very very efficient. I, I would say. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? I always like that. I always like being efficient. I I don't think there's sort of a recipe, but there are sort of um, in my head a formula where I feel like then you get to the good stuff early, like mm -hmm. a good melody or a solid riff or something, really hooky chorus. And a nice little breakdown or solo part of it. All, all those things are important for me mm. in a song. I don't really need the long jam sessions, even though I'm a huge fan of 70s rock, sure. where that was basically what it was all about. Uh, I, I don't think that we're that kind of band. I don't think that that's the music I want to write. So I want to get to the point fairly quick. So I always have that in mind. But I think the, the strength with this band is that Anders has a different point of view, a different way of looking at songs and songwriting. And he comes from a different perspective. He really wants to have these longer. He wants to have it not as obvious. And yeah. I think the combination of the two is what makes it strong. It makes it still interesting and you get to the good stuff fairly early. You know, so I, I think uh, it was not a conscience conscious decision to trim away any fat i don't think there is enough fat sometimes okay you know uh, uh, for certain songs but um because you want to make it big and big and big you know but i think again what we talked about a little bit before the record was like the sound more the production mm -hmm. side how how we want this album to be perceived how do you, how do you want to experience it when you sit in front of two huge speakers right <laughs> You want to hear the least little, uh, you know, um, weird sounds that are only in the background, or do you want to have a fucking huge mountain topple over you with with sound? You know, it's two different things. Sure, and and that's sort of I think what we achieved and, and what we did songwriting wise. We did what again what we we're fortunate that way. You know, we're we're in a position where we write what we want to hear and what we want what we want to play. So, so we didn't change that very much. No, but that that I assume is very liberating to to not worry about what other people think. Well, it, in the end, you, you, I think you can't, because uh, mm. um, there's too many. <laughs> yeah, too, you can't please everyone. Too many people. Yeah, no, and it's really, really hard. I have this conversation with most people, especially when you talk about songwriting and and what do you think about people saying this and that? I don't, mm. because there's there's no time for that life's way short to, to worry about everybody else's opinion in the end music is a matter of taste you know and and for me it's it's either good or bad you know it doesn't matter what genre it is it just it's just a matter of if it hits me in the right spots or if it doesn't and right. that's all the energy i'm gonna spend on that you know um and the same thing when when we write music it's it's hard enough to please us, you know, all, <laughs> it, not, not all of us in the band love playing each and every song every night, you know, that, that's just the way it works. But at least it's something that we decided that we write together so we can live with <laughs> at <laughs> night, certain nights, playing the same song 2000 times, right? <laughs> it's we can because we wrote it and we wrote it for us, you know, so it's it's something that we will always be proud of, not something that somebody else stared us into doing or 
or we did it because we thought that's what the world wanted to hear. And you, you never know. We're not, you know, oracles. Uh, <laughs> or we can't see into the future what the next trend's going to be. So we try to stick to our guns and do what we know we will enjoy playing. And sometimes you get shit for it. Sometimes people love it. It's just, a, it's just taste. That's why I don't spend too much time or energy um, wasting any of that on that. Mm. No, I, th I think that's a very healthy and realistic attitude because, like you said, there's always somebody who, who wants to give their opinion about anything. So yeah. it doesn't. There's, people there's... are free to do it, and now people have extremely uh, good platforms for that. <laughs> right, you know, right. Social media, and and so be it. I mean, this it's just a matter of how you choose to use the information or your opinion about certain things i mean we can be nice or we can be an asshole you know sure. getting back to what you mentioned earlier about kind of the way you and uh Anders work together what is it about the chemistry between the two of you because you've been working together for so long now and and you've made 14 albums which which is a hell of a bunch of songs so so what what, what still makes it kind of exciting and and do you discuss the themes and all that stuff over how, how do you keep it fresh between the two of you yeah for sure we talk about the topics discussions are always interesting and um because I, I don't write lyrics at all. Okay. I, I've okay. never, I always enjoyed lyrics. And, but at the same time, it's always been the melody, the guitar play, the drums, the stuff like that that's really captivated me. So I haven't really spent time working on it. I don't think I'm a very good lyricist. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried, but I'm, I'm fairly sure that I should stick to what I'm <laughs> doing. Uh, but it's always interesting, extremely interesting to, to look into the mind of somebody who writes lyrics and has a clear image in their head of what it is they want to talk about. Because it, it's, as, um, it's as inspiring as somebody who can just conjure up different melodies or mm. find the perfect way of arranging something, finding new ways of making chord progressions work with the same kind of melody. All these things are, you're, you're like a smith with words. You know, and that's extremely cool to to have a look at that and be sort of part of that process, uh, being that little the 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 wall you can bounce, the Anders can bounce ideas off of, mm. um, being able to have an opinion about that just as much as he has an opinion about the music, the riffs, the guitars, the drums, and all that stuff. That I think that combination of being open, at least towards each other musically, what it is we want to do, what it, what it is we want to talk about or the way we want to sound all these things are are we talk about that a lot you know and and it's really cool to see how that 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 works that's part of what i really really like with the writing process the writing process is is still a fun thing recording not so much <laughs> i'm very happy that we're working with the guys we are because they make it very very uh, um very smooth compared to mm. what I've done in the past. We, as you mentioned, we've done a bunch of records and they've been doing, done in so many different ways and some of the ways I will never want to do again. <laughs> uh, but it, it was necessary to try it and, and to sure. learn from it. And all these experiences have, have made us know each other really well uh, and we understand our limits and also the possibilities, uh, the potential like how much we can push each other and how far we can take things and still feel like we're honest with it. 
you know so so that's i think all these years obviously since we haven't killed each other yet um we just gone stronger you know <laughs> very good to hear uh final question then uh you mentioned the importance of playing live to to you and your uh, i suppose the rest of the band as well so having a a, a festival like dalhalla brinner uh what does that mean to you and and kind of is is that something you can see doing in the future a lot more to focus more on kind of the organizational aspect as well? Not so much, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I I actually really really enjoy festivals. Festivals in general, I think, are fantastic because it's not only an opportunity for us as a band to get up in front of people that probably or possibly wouldn't get like an inflames ticket. Hmm. So that's awesome. So we can present our music in front of new people basically hopefully new people and i think music is best experienced live because it's the most honest you can hear everybody actually playing and you can see where they come from and sometimes songs that you hear on a record take on a whole different uh, vibe live because it's the way it was meant to be right so i really like that but secondly i mean festivals are awesome i get to see bands i like all of them you know because we play the same festivals all, sure. a lot of friends and as a as a fan of live music it's it's in, an incredible opportunity uh so i always loved festivals for that reason however uh, organizational uh organization wise a festival is a nightmare i think <laughs> i wouldn't want to have anything to do with that it's so much work logistically and sure. And and it's just insane just thinking about it. So no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'll show up and I'll I'll play our music uh, happily. So uh, in front of hopefully uh, happy people as well. So that's uh, but festivals are extremely important for us, and it's extremely cool uh, to have your own festival. Very quickly then, uh, what is the best live band that you've seen recently? A live show or anything? Uh recently what did i see recently um, it can be six months because the festival uh, summer has been over for a little bit yeah yeah uh well club shows i've seen i've seen quite a lot i i'm surprised to say one of the cooler experiences i've had because i haven't seen him in quite a while was and it might sound obvious but steve Vai okay. was really really cool i haven't seen him for years and i was never a huge fan of steve Vai because i probably because he's incredibly good at what he does and almost on the other side of playing guitar you know it's like you learn to play guitar and then you're really good at playing guitar and then you turn into something else and he's on the other side you know but that show was such you could see that he really enjoyed every moment and it was happening right there and then i had the feeling that with him each and every show is extremely unique he takes a lot from the audience and he gives a lot back to the audience and I got to see it in such a way that it made it really special. I was all by myself on a balcony. So I was sitting all by myself. It's like almost having the biggest uh, home cinema <laughs> system. And it was only me on that balcony, basically, right. me and friends. And that experience was incredible. Um, yeah, that was one of the better things I've seen for quite a while. Uh, awesome. Uh, Bjorn, may I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me? Thank you.